segue, which we usually do with our conversation before we get into it, was I was going to pose a question to you guys. Okay. If you could go back to an iconic match to be able to witness it live, which one would you want to go back and see? Hmm. And you ha- and the one that's not allowed to be said is Hell in a Cell with Taker and and Mankind. Oh, that's fair. That one's yeah. off the table. Yeah. I think everybody would love to see that like in person. Yeah. We'll have to yeah. have been there, but... Uh, so what match would you go back and say? For me, it would be WrestleMania 12. Is that Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart? Yes. 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 I would have loved to have been there for that one because by all accounts, like I've seen it a few times, but like by all accounts, being there, the electricity in the air, and just witnessing these two guys literally put on a clinic and show you why you, you, they were both considered some of the, the two top guys in the, in, in the industry. Yeah. Uh, man, how awesome would it have been to be there and see it live? That would have been I mean? pretty and cool. And then see Shawn Michaels take the belt. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was an iconic match. Yeah, just a, yeah, I'm surprised that they did an Iron Man match too at WrestleMania. But yeah, yeah just yeah. To, just to be there for that, it was it would be pretty cool. Uh, so in this scenario, we're assuming that we have really good seats and we can see the match very well. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. You're okay. literally front row. Okay. What do you got? So this is tough for me because. And Chris, you know this because you just recently went to a, a Raw taping. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you miss a lot if you're in the crowd, actually. Yeah. Like, you'll miss a lot of the story that's being told. The commentators help way more than people give them credit for. True. Oh, yeah. When it comes to telling a story and all this kind of stuff. Because the first match that came came to my mind when you said this was Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair at WrestleMania when Ric Flair re- was retired. Oh. Right? Because that match had so much emotion to it oh yeah i mean to the point where he said i love you before he i super know kicked him. oh god and, and flair's crying dude oh my yeah. god it's so good like so that good. that was my first thought but then i was thinking i'd probably miss half of that if i was in the crowd though but imagine if you had a view of seeing Shawn michaels mouth i love you before he yeah. does that can you imagine that See, it's all about where i was being seated at 100 <laughs> percent. yeah you yeah. you get to sit right behind commentators so you can hear them <laughs> you hear yeah. the story being yeah. told so there's plenty of moments that I wish I would saw live. I mean, I would throw that. Yeah. Like I could pick any wrestler pretty much and pick and a find moment a moment. In the career. Yeah. Like I'll just throw out. Well, since we were talking earlier about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm going to use Batista. Oh. Uh, that promo he had when he quit and he said he was going to leave. Oh. And he yeah. threw a tangent in the ring. I would have loved to seen that live. Because <laughs> that's just fun. That was good. That was yeah. really good. That's awesome. What about you, Matt? Um, what iconic match comes to mind? <laughs> I mean, I two off the top of my head. Yeah. First one, uh, Steamboat and Savage WrestleMania three. Oh, it was a technical masterpiece. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, just there, there was more of the, the skill wise for the theatrics, I guess. Essentially, um, Sting, Luger, and Savage versus the Outsiders, and then when Hogan, oh man, when Hogan came out at the end, just to yeah. see there and just watch all those people just throwing garbage at them and the Remember promo that, after, dude? yeah. You know, that would have been. That's the one case in which it would have been better alive, purely because if you go back and watch that moment, uh, Bobby, Bobby the Brain, who I love, one of my all-time favorites, oh, kind of uh, yeah. gave it away before he did it. He did spoil that. And Hogan, oh, he did. Hated I that. Yeah, yeah, he's like, is you know, who, but whose side is he on? That, that's oh. the famous line as he's walking down the ramp, and um, kind of gave it away. Yeah, he should have yeah. been playing it up like he's here to save the day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, man. But that's but a that moment, is an iconic dude. moment. That though. is a moment because yeah. that whole time they'd been building up that there's a third person, a third. Who's the third person? Everyone was wondering Nobody who the third knew. person was. Uh, a little piece of trivia: you know, it was supposed to be Sting. 
originally. Oh, really? Yeah, Sting was going to be the third NWO member. But uh, Hogan caught wind of like that they were going to be pulling this thing off, yeah. and he was just like, "No, I it's gotta be. perfect for me. Like, I got to do this. It's got to be me. It, it would only make sense." Yeah. And then everybody's like, "Yeah, it would because you came over and these guys, you know what I mean." So yeah. that's that's the reason it was Hogan. But originally it was going to be Sting. Wow. As the third NWO. I don't member. think it would have took out totally, of Sting. Yeah, totally like destroyed and made him a bad heel right away. Yeah. And, wow. Yeah, that'd have been interesting. <laughs> Speaking of trivia, welcome to Hardly Kayfabe. Back for another week. This is Chris Chavez, joined by Johnny Townsend and Matt Johnson. Fellas, what's up? We're back. We are back. Thanks for having me again. Another week of wrestling talk. Thanks for having me as well, Matt. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and thanks for having me, gentlemen. Thanks for having me. Chris, uh, Chris we're glad to have you. <laughs> so we're talking, we started talking about just iconic matches. Uh, what we would have been lo- loved to have been in the crowd for. And those are great, dude. Would you... so? If you had been in the crowd uh, for the NWO thing when Hulk Hogan came out, would you have been one that was would have been would you have been angry enough to throw things? Ooh, I, I wouldn't. I would have never thrown anything because I think that's just disrespectful all the way around. I know better, but, but dude, do you yeah. know how much yeah. they had to have been loving that inside that? that oh that yeah, no, they, to get that they, response, man. <laughs> they love slash hated it. There's been plenty of stories I've heard. Oh really? Uh, where like. The crowds would throw some pretty terrible things. On that first night, though, that first night, they had to just get get in that back room oh, and been yeah. like, Yo, this was it. genius. We, we did, did it. it. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. So we're back. Another week of Hardly Kayfabe. Uh, talk about some news. Talk about some weekly wrap-up wrestling stuff. And then uh, we've got Wrestlepedia this week. We're going to be doing a Wrestlepedia segment at the end of the episode. But first, we'll get into news as we always do. I have an update for you guys. So a couple episodes ago, we talked about a teacher in Pennsylvania who was on an indie uh, on the indie circuit wrestling under uh, the name Blitzkrieg, and he was a Nazi character. He comes out doing the, the the Nazi march, the Nazi salute, waving the Iron Cross flag, uh, and kids cheer him on. Uh, we were all just like, "This is crazy! Like it's not it's in bad taste, and there's no way he's going to keep his job." <laughs> CBS <laughs> Philadelphia teacher <laughs> teacher won't be fired for apparent Nazi themed wrestler character Montgomery County teacher will not be fired after appearing to play a Nazi character in an amateur wrestling league the video shows middle school teacher Kevin Bean waving a flag with an iron cross on it Bean's wrestling persona was known as Blitzkrieg officials say they in no way condone his actions but he will remain a teacher uh, quote, I think it's blown out of proportion quite a bit. It's something that he's been doing for a long time. I think everyone knew about it. At least people that knew about it knew about it. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> he was, That's anything, though. He wasn't hiding it or <laughs> anything. I can describe any situation. <laughs> people <laughs> who knew about it knew about it. He wasn't yes, hiding it or true. anything, and I think a lot of people jumped to conclusions before they had all the information. Grandmaster Wizard. No, just kidding. Uh, parent Keith Lasky <laughs> told Eyewitness News. Uh, so the parents are, really don't care. The school district said that they investigated, looked into it, and they found that it's you know it is what it is. But they're not gonna they're not going to uh, suspend him. He's still going to be a teacher. Sure, that's how it should be. So uh, yeah, so yeah, he'll now, be. Now I was I was outright against this character, right? Right. I didn't like the idea of this character. Right. I thought it was in bad taste, but also I do not think he should be fired from his main job for that either. Right. No. Right. Because exactly. that's too far. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of like digging into somebody's tweets from years and years ago yeah. and then firing them from yes. a, uh, a a large franchise. Essentially. <laughs> yeah. And it, yes. you know what? It, it's 
it's him playing a character. I'm sure that's not his real views. You know what I mean? Right. Like Abdullah the Butcher was really a psycho that went around and stabbed people. Right. Do you know what and I mean? He, like, I, and, on, and Sergeant Slaughter really turned on his country and you know joined <laughs> Colonel he did, Matt. and all that. He did. You know? He did, man. I've never <laughs> forgiven him for that. <laughs> but you know, when that stupid chin can go somewhere else. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, oh, it's awesome. The, yeah, the lines of entertainment and real life are definitely blurred now, and it's it's a shame. I, I know that I, I have a good feeling that a guy who's teaching kids like that—that's not his—that's not his real belief. It's just yeah. a character. Well, it's also, like a to be movie. fair, wasn't a lot of his students in the crowd, and that's why he's getting cheered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so that to me, impressionable. To me, yeah. as as weird as that sounds, it also shows that he has he he's obviously at least a decent teacher enough to where the kids like him yeah yeah want to go out and support him my thing too was that it's like we've accepted that this is a form of entertainment we enjoy this for storyline for drama for for the theatrics of it uh we don't get angry at what's the name of the actor who played red skull we don't get angry at him you know we don't get angry at like it's you got to understand like he probably Loves it in terms of like it's fun to play the bad guy. It's yeah. fun to get out there and, and yeah. get the heat and 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 really get everybody riled up. Um, so yeah, I agree. I don't think. I mean, I was originally kind of like, eh, so what? Like that's his character. We need heels. We need bad guys that people can look at and really hate yeah. to really give it a believe. Like try to push it and and get you you know uncomfortable and hate who you're who you see in the in the ring. Uh, but yeah, it was kind of like a back and forth thing. But is the Nazi thing a little too much because? I mean, we know it happened with Nazis, so is that too much of a, you know? Ooh, I don't know. Actually, I think I, I think they could have nuanced the character a little more, could, personally. Do you think it would have been in bad taste to create a character that was like a Jonestown survivor that wants to start a cult? Do you know what I mean? Like, right, if, right. if it has to do with a lot of people who had died, mass deaths, yeah. is it okay to still use that as a mm-hmm. heel or... So I don't know. It's kind of back and forth, but I'm definitely of the of the mindset that his work life should not be affected no. by this. This is what he does out of love. He loves the sport. He loves doing this. So, what, are you going to fire somebody for creating model airplanes that are old school Nazi planes or something? You know what right, I mean? Right, like, right. Yeah, you I don't know. Do that. It's yeah, it's weird. I, I'm in the I'm in the mindset of the old the old days where anything goes, and it wasn't a reflection of your actual person, your yeah. character. Yeah. Never uh, once did I think that the now mayor of uh, that town in Tennessee was also at one point a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> and just yanking them out to you. Yank them, yank them. Uh, so we're going to go from one controversial wrestler to another. A couple of days ago, uh, it was announced that Corey Graves' brother, Sam Adonis, is going to be banned from indie promotion after an offensive promo. So Sam Adonis successfully got himself banned from an independent wrestling promotion after appearing at the Revolution Pro Show over the weekend uh, and executing a run-in during a match between Chris Rideway and Curtis Chapman. Adonis took to the microphone to cut a promo that would offend many in in, in attendance. Adonis used a homophobic slur that drew go-away and disgusting heat from the crowd. He ended up taking things even further, leading to his being banned from the company. 
after the show, the promotion issued the the following state. They, they basically apologized for what he said. And then he tweeted himself as well. He said, I am truly sorry to anyone I have upset with my in-ring actions at Revolution Pro in London yesterday. Sam Adonis is a fictional character that I portray in the realm of pro wrestling. My lack of judgment led me to believe that offensive comments would be accepted as entertainment in the 18-plus venue in which I was performing. These are not my personal beliefs, and I am ashamed of letting the fans down. So we have this almost the same kind of thing again, where he's playing a character, and he's trying to get this character to go as far as he can yeah. to do his job, which is draw heat, right? And he goes too far. <laughs> so what's your guys' thoughts on this? Is the banning like justified, or is it too much? Because then it becomes this kind of thing of like, so how what, what are we doing the with these characters? You know, Because <sighs> then... We have movies that write storylines that go well past what some of these people say, but we go and watch them and are entertained. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think. Should the world of pro wrestling have the same rules as comedy, where basically there's no rules? There shouldn't be any limits on what you're saying and doing to get your character and storyline across. Yeah, I agree. Um, Even the same with movies and stuff, too. But I think because there are people in the crowd who are getting emotionally invested Mm -hmm. that they take that stuff. Like, you know, when you're you're watching a movie, yeah, you're watching it, but I don't think there's the same energy, same passion in watching a movie as there is Because this is continuous. It's almost like having, like, well, if you watch a soap opera, maybe. Yeah. It's a little bit more, but that's, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I just... The other thing is, whenever you know somebody who's not a pro wrestling fan and they find out you're a pro wrestling fan, what's the first thing they tell you? Oh, that stuff's oh, fake. Yeah, yeah, that's fake. That's fake stuff. Yeah, <laughs> we all know it is. So why? So why would I think that this guy, the character is playing, that he's a hundred percent that way? Yeah, I right. would know better. Right. When when uh, my buddy uh, Anthony Gaines made the news about a month ago or so, and it, made, it was on ABC News, and everyone was like, "Oh, this is fake," and you know, just there's tons of comments on on the on the Facebook page. This is fake. You know, blah blah blah. You know, I would just be like, oh, you're onto something, or you know, or, hey, you know, this is it's kind of like watching a movie. People are like, no, you can't compare it to a movie. I'm like, why not? Yeah, why not compare it to going to a live performance on Broadway? Though. Yeah, a stage yeah. show. Yeah, it's yes. live. They're doing it literally live. They, yes, they can't mess up. If they mess up, the audience notices. Except. The yeah, difference, you know, mania, the, the, yeah. <laughs> the difference between watching a stage show and watching professional wrestling is that in professional wrestling, the audience is encouraged to interact. You're yes. supposed to be a part of it. You're supposed to cheer. You're supposed to boo. You're supposed to chant. Whereas at a stage show, I mean, it's respectful to be quiet and just watch the show. Because yeah. how weird would it be to watch pro wrestling? And we've seen it on certain nights where it's just dead silent. And you well, just watch it, the guy's that's work. A, that's a big uh, Japanese culture yeah, uh, thing yeah, of it, yeah. too, which is it's eerie. It's really weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I I don't dig that. Yeah, it, I like the interaction. Yeah. But it's the same. It is still the same idea as going to watching a live stage show. Yeah. Um, yeah. If, if you ask me, there should be limits because, obviously, you don't want them to go crazy. Do you know what I mean? But... You're a heel. You're supposed to say things that people aren't going to like. Right. Like you're supposed to want people to hate you. And what better way to hate you than to say the most vile of things? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I always always love when I'm talking to another wrestling fan and we're talking about a heel. (laughs) And they happen to not like this wrestler. 
And I'm like, well, they're really good at getting heat. And they're like, well, they're getting go away heat. They're not getting <laughs> real heat. I'm like, get, get, go freaking go really? back. To, uh, but that's the heat away. they want, man. Yeah. They want go away heat. They want all There's no heat. difference between the two. No. It's heat. Didn't uh, Jericho get in trouble a couple years ago down in uh, South America? For a flag. I think it was. Flag. It was a flag. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He got heat for that. Brazil. Got, Brazil. Yes, that's right. The Brazilian flag. And he flag, got in a yeah. lot of trouble for that. And like. It's like it's old school heat, and yeah. he was like fine. They wanted to throw him in jail yeah. for it. He had to apologize, yeah. but that's old. You did that stuff old school. Yeah, like you were you went out of your way to be the douche. You no, know, Iron Sheik. You know, cla- classic. You know, <laughs> did his thing with the you know his flag, and then you know America Patui. You know what I mean? Yeah, He'd spit yeah. And blow his nose or whatever in the flag, and that was heat, and people hated him for but it. But can you imagine nowadays? You'd be like blacklisted you wouldn't be allowed to wrestle anymore because it's like you can't do that to the flag yeah i mean but back then they were it's part of the story it's part of what we're doing yeah so we also live in an in a time now where like everybody takes everything and i've been guilty of this too we'll take whatever's happening that has nothing to do with us in reality but we'll take it very personal (laughs) yeah exactly like that's an attack on me that this happened because i don't feel or think or believe that way Exactly. And instead of just separating it from what it is, which is just some form of entertainment. Yeah, it's it's definitely gone gone a specific way. We'll see. And the and the, and the biggest thing, if you don't like it, don't watch it. Watch something else you do like. Yeah, we'll see what this does for Adonis, though. This might be yeah. good publicity. This might be like where they say, "Ooh, you've gotten some good heat here. Now we want you to come wrestle at our place and yeah. be that be that monster." Exactly. You know what I mean. So uh, let's see what happens there. Uh, other things happening in the news. This one was interesting. We talked about a couple of weeks ago, Colt Cabana and CM Punk winning a lawsuit. Uh, there was this huge lawsuit that they were involved in. They won the lawsuit, and apparently, uh, if you if you take Colt Cabana at his word, what he says happened was during this whole ordeal, CM Punk told him, "Don't worry, got you covered. Uh, you know, you don't have to worry about your legal expenses." Got you covered. Don't worry about this. Yeah. If if anybody knows about the whole case in the first place, yeah. it's kind of strange that Colt Cabana was even involved. Yeah. Because he was literally just a platform that Punk was on and yeah. using. Yeah. And he got drugged through it, and he didn't want anything to do with it. And it really, according to, because I listen to his podcast every once in a while, and I listen to the one right ap- that he put out right after the trial was over yeah. against that WWE doctor. And, uh, he, uh, that doctor's terrible, by the way. Like, if all that <laughs> yeah. stuff is true, he's a horrible, horrible doctor. Yeah. Uh, but, um, so, uh, he was, he was like getting stressed over. He was getting sick from it because that's a lot of, I mean, on the independent, on the independent wrestling, I'm sure, uh, Colt is considered very successful. Oh, yeah. Huge. Uh, but he does not make WWE money. No. No, he does no. not. He and does court not. costs, really add up it's expensive oh, for sure so he's been yeah. saying he'll cover it and then they won and they had to pay some court costs and punk said so uh you're paying half right yeah <laughs> and uh classic punk yeah Col- <laughs> Col- cabana was like wait don't think so cm punk's year of legal drama isn't over after slaying the beast that was wwe in a long ugly drawn out lawsuit punk's legal matters figure to somehow get even more ugly and personal according to a report from chicago sun times scott colton better known as colt cabana is now suing his former best friend whose appearance in his art of wrestling podcast led to wwe dr chris aman suing the uh the tandem for upwards of four million 
Cabana, who claims Punk assured him in writing he would cover his legal fees, is suing Punk for two hundred thousand in general damages, in addition to one million in punitive and exemplary damages. Exemplary damages. In strongly worded email, Punk asked Cabana to pay half of the five hundred and thirteen thousand seven hundred thirty-six dollar legal fees, which equates to two fifty-six eight sixty-eight. Uh, Punk's email stated the following. To date, I spent $513,000 on this Amon lawsuit. My outstanding current bill is at least $300,000. Half of all of this is yours. Divide the 513 by two, and that is what you owe me and what I expect you to pay me. Starting now, I will no longer be paying your bills. You are on your own. Whatever my bill is currently will be cut in half, and half will be yours. If you choose to make this all ugly, that's fine too. I hope you won't. But I gave up on you doing what was right a long time ago. Ooh, yeah, they haven't been friends in some time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, it was, it was right rough. when the lawsuit started. I think he got him and Punk stopped talking um, because Cabana went backstage um, at the E show, and they, it's. I mean, that's been. Ooh, I mean, three years now. Yeah. So yeah. I, I gotta say, like, and I, I'm very curious to Matt's point of view on this. Uh, but from a f- just from a fan's point of view, just from mine, I always when Punk was in the E, I was became a really big fan. He was very very good. His wrestling was good, and his promos were out of this world amazing. Uh, but when you start hearing all these stories about him from other wrestlers and stuff, <clears throat> he to me, and I've never met him, don't know him. This is just how it appears. Uh, he seems really petty at times. Uh, he seems like he's very hard to be friends with in general. Yeah, honestly, he's kind of a duck like, in person. Yeah, and like if even if even these people that he was close to when he was in the E once he left, if you worked for the WWE, no matter who you are, he pretty much cut you off. Yeah, and that I mean that's a giant dick move. Yeah, he's I watched him um, when I was doing extra work. You know, I I got up to shake his hand because I was like really excited to meet him. You know, I met I watched his DVD and, and whatnot, and I was like, this is this is the guy. And he wouldn't shake my hand. He fist bumped me, so it was all right. But I watched another extra go over to talk to him while he was eating. And he goes, hey, I'm fucking eating. Leave me alone. You know what I mean? But that's that was punk. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to bother him. You yeah. know what I mean? Another case yeah. of don't meet your idols you know, right there. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yowzes. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, it doesn't look like it's going to work out there for Punk because if Cabana has it in writing that he said he was covering all court costs, then uh, that's there's you have it in writing, right? Yeah. Like there's nothing you can yeah. do about that. Well, also, uh, just as a personal story, Colt Cabana came and wrestled in uh, Hickory, North Carolina, which is very close to me, and I went to that show, the PWX show. Okay. And uh, so I got to meet him, and he was nothing but awesome to me. He was very nice, very kind. He talked to me for a little bit. And I've seen him at plenty of back when they were doing the five dollar wrestling that I introduced Chris to. <laughs> oh. uh, he he and DeRosa. This? I love Freight Train. <laughs> You've seen it. Okay. Yes. 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 Freight Train is very awesome in person, by the way, too. But I went to a couple of those tapings because they were kind of local to me. Yeah. And Colt and DeRosa were the commentators for those, and they were both very, very awesome. Like I've never ever had a and I've met Colt a couple of times and he's been nothing but cool to me. So maybe I'm kind of biased on this. So you're saying you guys are like best friends now? 
Oh, oh yes, BFFs all the way. Cool. I'm going to pay half his court costs. <laughs> Colt, give him a call. Yeah. <laughs> this statement has not been approved by the BICBP radio network. Well, uh, I gotta, I gotta, gotta distance myself now. <laughs> uh, last piece of news I saw here, guys, was uh, it's kind of history. Renee Young is going to be the first woman to ever call a full episode of Monday Night Raw. It was announced that she's going to be joining. Michael Cole and Corey Graves for the duration of the three-hour program. Uh, what do you, that's pretty cool. I mean, they've got this huge, you know, revolution going with the women. The women, uh, the divas coming up. The women, you know, their whole entire roster is is celebrated. Now they're going to have their own pay per view. May Young yeah. Classic is 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 currently taping. Uh, and now we're gonna have we're gonna have Renee and I like Renee Young. I think yeah. she's really good on Mike. Yeah. Uh, you think, yeah, I do too. Ha, now I've never heard her call matches or anything like. So, what are you guys' thoughts on it? Uh, unique experience. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun, and I think she deserves it over. You know, we've had a long history of, of female backstage interviewers. Yeah, and I can't picture any of them except her being able to go on commentary and call an entire show. Yeah, she's really good yeah. at what she does. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you just taking taking point all of those pre shows and stuff as she does, she is pretty much the dri- the one who's driving all those. Yeah, yeah. she's very uh, involved. She, very involved. Yeah, backstage. she she leads them. She's really good. I'm very very excited to see what she can do with this. I was happy to read this news. It's all because Coach is doing some kind of golf thing. I think uh, he's calling some other thing at the same time. I guess she's uh, uh, she's coached or she's coached. She's uh, commentated <laughs> on Superstars before. Oh, really? With Tom Phillips, and she also did some announcing with NXT uh, as part of the NXT team. So, but I, I, I didn't catch any of that. So I'm I'm looking forward to it. I think it'd be kind of cool. I think again, it's another good thing for women in the sport and and bringing you know just more and more like of a spotlight to the kind of stuff yeah. that they can really contribute to the to wrestling to and this is when you bring Ambrose back. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> she's this, commentating. This is when she's, that's her hubby hub. What does she yeah. say? Can you imagine her like, wait, wait, why is he here tonight? <laughs> yeah. What are you, what are you he doing? Didn't, he didn't tell me he was going to be here. <laughs> Who's watching the children? <laughs> I don't think they have any kids. Who's watching the dog? There you go. <laughs> Much better. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, yeah. I didn't know they were together until I saw an outtake of one of the, there was uh, oh, one of these. You know, reality shows. I don't know if it was like the Bellas or whatever it was, but they yeah. were having dinner with her parents or lunch at this outside restaurant. And some guy was walking by from the sidewalk, just reached over, snatched her purse, and took off. And Dean jumps over the hedges and goes after him like a maniac. And then, <laughs> and then when she come, he comes back. She's yelling at him, and she's like, "What's the matter with you? You did that right in front of my parents. I'm so embarrassed." <laughs> He's like he was an idiot. That guy's an idiot. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Dean's actually a close friend of somebody who actually lives around here. He trained. Oh, really? He trained with uh, one of the local indie wrestlers around here, and they oh, hang nice. out. Dean hooks him up with free tickets and stuff to WrestleMania all the time. Oh, the Hall of Fame sweet. show hooks him right up for it. That's sweet, so, dude. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, Dean Ambrose. Um, I've grown to like him more when I first when I first was watching with the Shield and all that. Like, he's good. Like, he's good at what he does, but I didn't like like his. The way he carries himself in the ring, this kind of like, I don't know, he, he looks like a Neanderthal almost, you know what I mean? Like he's like that kind of thing. Uh, but the more I watched him and the more I kind of got to know him in terms of like, if you watch any of the other shows, like the Table for Three or Ride Along, oh. dude, he's hilarious. Yeah. He's, a, he's a weirdo too. On Ride Along, he's sitting in the car 
Uh, and they were just talking about fries, different kinds of fries. You, like they get to their hotel, and the guy, the other two guys, Seth and, and Roman, are getting out, and I'm pat. He's sitting in the passenger seat, just kind of staring out the window, going, "Yeah, potatoes. There's all different kind of fries you can make with potatoes. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, crinkle fries, waffle fries. He's just talking he starts, about fries. He starts listing the different kinds of fries. It's pretty amazing. No one's listening to him. They're unpacking their stuff. He's yeah. just literally staring out the window, just talking. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds now, about right. That was the best. Now you guys know how much I love the the Miz's new show. Oh yeah, I would also love a show that was about those two, about uh, Ambrose and and uh, and and his lady. Oh, it would I be, would love that show too. It'd be I, great. I, I guarantee they have a really fun back and forth. It'd be great just to see Ambrose, man. Just to see him <laughs> all the time being a wacko. Yeah. Yeah, him and Renee going having arguments and stuff. So, uh, so there you go. That's uh, Renee Young is going to be covering Raw this week coming up. Full three hours. We'll uh, hopefully she does a great job, and then that leads to maybe more. Um, but that's our news for the week. We're going to now get into our weekly wrestling wrap up. So before we get, get in, the music, <laughs> before we get into any of these, uh, what happened on any of them? Let's go around and just say real quick who we thought won the week overall and we're not going to say why we're just going to say the who we thought won so uh let's start with you this week matt did you get to watch any of these or watch highlights or? i watched uh ron smackdown this yeah. week and um i'm gonna give it to smackdown again that main event was insane Sweet. you know everything top yep. to bottom i think worked really well what do you say johnny i'm in complete agreement. i saw all three shows and in my opinion purely my opinion this was a pretty weak nxt episode yeah. overall. oh yes i agree uh, it was still good. I mean, still decent, but it was weaker than usual. Yeah. Uh, but SmackDown had a lot of fun stuff, and uh, between the Miz and Daniel Bryan stuff, and that uh, that last match, the tag match, which was incredible. You don't usually get that good of a match for a TV match, and that one was above, uh, well above average. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm gonna agree with you. SmackDown for me won the week uh, for all the reasons you guys said, and then I mean again, Bryan and the Miz. You know, yeah, that's just the best. Daniel Bryan and the Miz. Uh, I wanted to ask you a couple guys. Th- ask you a, cu- a couple things on SmackDown. What did you guys think of AJ Styles' promo when he came? He came back to you know basically responding to Samoa Joe's uh, "You're never around for your family" kind of a thing, or "You're a horrible husband and father." <laughs> it was a, it was a good you know that white meat baby face promo. You know what I mean? Yeah. Classic. Um, He's like, I'm not home because I'm taking care of my family. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was there was passion in it. I, I between the two, I'd still have to say Joe's was better. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, it was it was it was a solid response, and it just adds more to the fire for that that pay per view match. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Johnny, what'd you think of it? Uh, I'm going to have to agree there too. Joe's, if you're going to compare his and Joe's, which is just kind of a natural thing to do, Joe's was just so good, despite the orange running down his face, <laughs> that uh, I got to give it to Joe if you're going to compare them. But for a babyface promo, which uh, to me are way more tough to do, um, it was it was fine. He delivered it fine. There were a couple times where you could tell he was trying to remember his lines. Yeah, uh, that's the part I think I hate the most. I don't know. This is everybody talks about this, but like why they make these people memorize all like paragraphs and paragraphs of lines is ridiculous to me. But anyway, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, but overall, like I liked a couple of points he made. Uh, they made sense. They were very good points, especially where he made it a little personal too, where he said that, uh, Joe knows his wife and knows his kids. Yeah. And that became very personal. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that's gonna be that's gonna be a good SummerSlam uh, match because of the way they're built. Yes. They're making it a personal thing now. So I think we're gonna see a little bit more intensity and, and more passion behind what they're doing. Uh, I got to tell you, this week I was disappointed in Randy Orton's promo. Yeah, that I was feel like cluster. he just came out and repeated everything he did the first time. When he yeah. delivered that promo the first time, it was amazing and it was chilling. And then he came out and literally regurgitated it. And it felt weird, like not needed, because we already got the point. Right. right? It, was, it, was a sl- it was a weird opener way to start SmackDown, too. Yeah, it was just really so. slow. And I was like, eh. yeah. You know I what I mean? The, yeah. I thought the promo itself, just taken in a vacuum by itself, was solid. Right. But I agree with your point, though. Like, I didn't get anything new out of it. It all felt like he was just kind of repeating yep. in different ways. The first promo, which was crazy good. From a couple weeks ago or a week ago, yeah. Uh, but I think it's a victim to how good that last promo was. True, true. And then there was the uh, the Miz coming. Uh, he was was he got like a phoning it in, filming it in from uh, from the set of Miz um, and Mrs. Yeah. Yes, which is funny because there's no set that show's been taped a long time ago. <laughs> he's he's just cutting a promo and he's going at it, yeah. dude. He's doing a good job too. Uh, and then. Uh, and then Daniel Bryan shows up out of nowhere and just starts beating the hell out of him. And it was like old those old school, like, there's really bad blood between them kind of thing. Yeah. I loved it. It was so good. I was getting Snooka and Piper vibes. Just oh, the whole backstage. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, for sure, dude. God. Yes, I, I enjoyed it. I'm a big fan of both those guys, as it's been well documented. I mean, it's in my wait till you read my fan fiction. <laughs> but... Uh, I really loved how they did that. Now, in my opinion, this coming week, they need to let Daniel Bryan have a really uninterrupted, uh, fiery promo against The Miz because The Miz is so good. And Daniel Bryan is still very good, too. But in this in this current uh, feud of theirs, The Miz has definitely been way more personal with his uh, things he's been saying. Yeah. You got to have Daniel and, Bryan come out with fire and literally right. say, you know, what happened – Last week, that's nothing, you know. Yeah, like yeah. I'm coming Which he's at very you. Very capable of. So, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully him having a real real response in a promo. Should be good, dude. Um, yep. What were the matches again? Oh, the New Day match was a good match. That was phenomenal. That's, that's, that's awesome, what we were talking about. Awesome yeah. match, dude. New Day bar match was great. Uh, I was a little disappointed in who went over because we've already had the Bludgeon Brothers taking on the New Day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would rather see somebody new in there, but I couldn't be really mad because that match was so great. Yeah, it's going to be another good one, dude. Yeah. I think we're going to have uh, a memorable match at SummerSlam. Um, anything else on SmackDown you guys wanted to bring up before we moved on? Uh, I think that was a good majority of it. Um, so uh, NXT, like we said, was felt a little weak this week. Um, yeah. There wasn't much going on in terms of the matches uh, having, you know, it wasn't that they were bad matches. They were just kind of meh. There was a cool thing that started with Ricochet's music, like Ricochet was going to come out. And next thing you know, Undisputed Era are just dragging his limp body and dropping yeah. him. So that was pretty sweet. Like that's old school kind of thing again, you know, where they got attacked in the back. Uh, yes. What a- that part was good. I thought Keith Lee looked really great. <sighs> Keith for his Lee, first match. dude, Keith Lee again. This dude's flying, flipping, jumping yes. over people. Yes. I was like, what? And everybody, they're all just like, look at this guy go. He's like a cat. <laughs> he's also a very good promo, too, by the way. Is he? Oh, man. Yeah, he's a good talker. So uh, I can't wait for him to get to start talking and stuff. Hopefully, he won't let me down. So who are we going to have? So who are they going to have him feud with? Who are they going to have him go up against right now? That's the big question because he just literally just started. So I, I don't know. A uh, biggest 
I mean, usually when these guys are, it'd be like Ono. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He usually brings them in. Yeah, because he's so good at, you know, at uh, being that character who can really put somebody over. He's a victim of how good he is. That's, honestly. that's a possibility, though, because Ono also featured in this, ep- this week's, and he, he was against yes. the jobber, which he just dos- totally decimated. Uh, yes, but that could which is unusual for him. Yeah, that could have been the point. Yeah. Like, hey, remember Ono's here, right. and now here's Keith Lee. You know what I mean? Like yeah. another match after. So uh, that's a good point. That's a good possibility. It'll probably it may be Ono. Uh, what did you think of the, the Velveteen Dream EC3 pro little package piece in the middle of that thing? That weird pool. It was. <laughs> <laughs> I dropped my sunglasses here. Let me get it for you. Oh, you thought it- you were gonna push me in? <laughs> so weird, dude. It was it was obviously played for comedy, right. which I'm fine with. Right. But at the same time, and they played it so- well though. They actually played the, yeah. co- the oh, comedic yeah. timing well. Those two. <laughs> oh yeah, both the guys were great in it. I have nothing against that. It was just so strange and like different. Yeah. That I don't know. Maybe that kind of fits Velveteen's character a little bit. Yeah, doing these but kind of. I, yeah, but at the same time, I thought we we're going to get. I think we're just so used to with NXT people just doing really good promos back and forth. That uh, this just seemed really strange and out of the blue. Yeah, it was a little, it was a so. little strange. Uh, then there was the Gargano. Uh, I'm sorry, Champa Black. I mean, geez, Gargano Black match. Did you hear the news? Yeah, because the, I mean, well, he's out. He's officially out. Uh, yeah, we talked about his groin yeah. injury last week. Uh, this yeah, week they showed, injury. yeah, uh, Alistair Black. This week they show Alistair Black fighting Gargano, and then, <laughs> uh, Jesus. I wish I could. I wish I could remember who it was, but the storyline wise. Uh, Black got attacked in the parking lot, right? Yeah, That's yeah, what they're yeah. Doing. And uh, I can't remember who the wrestler was. I think he wrestles for Japan, but he, but he had a he tweeted about it and talked about how dangerous it must be to to wrestle for WWE in a parking lot. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, don't go in a parking lot. A few lot. weeks really ago, when he was beat now. up, yeah, 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 when, yeah, yeah. He was beat up in the parking lot. Uh, this week it was a regular match, Gargano and Black, and then Ciampa interferes, and everyone's chanting triple threat, and it was going to be a triple threat match until. Uh, like you said, Johnny, uh, William Regal announced it this week on WWE's website that, uh, yeah, Black's not going to make it. The injury is too severe. There's nothing that they can do about it. So instead, it's going to be a match between Ciampa and Gargano for the title. And is it an Iron Man match? What is it? Is it a specific match? Or is it just oh, for the title? I don't know if they've said it's yet. It's Last Man Standing. I know oh, it was a gimmick. Standing. I think it was, yeah. I think it's I Last Man it Standing. Yep. Yeah, because uh, one man's no longer standing. Only two men are standing. So we need to find out who's going to be the last man standing. So yeah. it is. Uh, so that happened. But to me, that was all. It was It was literally the, the kind of like quick intro with Undisputed Era showing you that there's still going to be a thing between uh, Adam Cole and Ricochet. Then there was the Keith Lee highlight, which was really good. And uh, the match is... Overall, we're okay, but I just didn't feel like they they lived up to what they really can do. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're they're also a victim to their own success because we're so used to quality <laughs> stuff from them. Yeah, if it's that, if, that, yeah, and even though this was still very good, it just wasn't as good. Right, if it's I not it's five star, amazing. we're like NXT sucks. Yeah, yeah, we're very we're very uh, <laughs> uh, we're we're uh, we're spoiled. Yeah, very yeah, much yeah. So. so over at Raw. Uh, a few things happened this week, but one of the things I wanted to mention were these two real quick. Uh, does it feel to you like Seth Rollins and the uh, Dolph Ziggler thing is like fizzling out even before we get to SummerSlam? Because it just felt like I didn't care this week. Yeah, it was. It came off a little right weird. It's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's also weird because like Drew McIntyre is involved too, and like it, he seems like he should be doing 
bigger things. I know it sounds weird yeah. to say, but like, why is he like a third man in this two man dance here? Yeah, like, it, it feels like it should be the other way around. Like it should be Drew McIntyre against yeah. Rollins with Dolph sticking his nose in it. Which is no offense to Dolph, right. he's a very good wrestler. But yeah. So that to me felt like it was fizzling out. And then uh, I'm I actually wanted to ask you this, Johnny, because I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it, knowing how big a fan you are. Uh, what do you think of the KO show, Kevin Owens show with gender? I think KO is one of the top, you know, talkers that they have. Yeah, in and out of the ring, by the way. Even when he's in the ring having a match, he's still a great talker. Uh, but it's it I feels like he's think- floundering at Raw, man. Because I feel like the thing with Strowman is okay for maybe the comedic aspect, but I feel like it's wasted. Yeah, you can almost it's v- predict it's who they're going to win that one. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, we already know Braun Strowman's going to win. Essentially. Or, or. KO wins, takes the money in the bank, and steals it from Roman Reigns after he wins it from Brock Lesnar. I wouldn't at hate Slam. that either. I that, could be I would, that would be the best case scenario yeah. in my mind. That could be awesome. And then <laughs> yeah. how funny because- would it be if KO is being managed by Paul Heyman now? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, now we're talking. Now we're talking. <laughs> but see, the, the only issue with that is KO doesn't need a mouthpiece. No, he doesn't. He really doesn't. Uh, right. So those were the two things that were kind of iffy for me. Um, in terms of what I thought really worked with Raw, Ronda Rousey's first match was pretty decent. wasn't bad. Uh, not a fan of Alicia Fox. I mean, she's okay, but she seemed very much like uh, I don't know, a little ring rust still. Like she doesn't. Like she has. She's not back in form. No, she's just kind of been there for like almost ten years now. Yeah, <laughs> she comes back like, once in a while. Not like why do you have yeah. a job? But you know, she just yeah. We need we need somebody here. Yeah, we need somebody. Yeah, you're a little bit a little bit higher than a jobber, <laughs> so people know who you are, and it means something if the person we're trying to push wins. You know what I mean? Yeah. But did it to me, uh, to you guys, a few times look like Rousey was going to break her arm. Like Ugh. the way she was flipping her around, I was like, she's going to rip her arm right out of her, her socket. Like she's yeah. she's putting so much force into those throws that I don't know if she realizes some of these women, not that they're like tender or or whatever, like they, they that they're fragile, but. But like they're not UFC grade, right? You yeah. know, athletes. No, there's a well, whole- you know, it's the same as some male wrestlers. I can't remember who it was, but they would be like, "Yeah, I don't want to wrestle this guy because when he punches you, he punches you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vader. I think Vader was one. Yeah, of Yeah, Vader was probably one of those. <laughs> those forearms to the yeah. side of the head yeah. were brutal. Even a few years ago, nobody wanted to wrestle like Kalisto at all because everyone was getting hurt yeah. wrestling him, and like he was getting into fights like regularly. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, there's. I mean, there's a way to to actually work. You know, some of the stuff that that Ronda does, and it does look vicious. And and luckily, so far, we haven't heard of anybody getting hurt. Yeah, from no. it. Yeah. And I mean, they could always change. Yeah. You know, it just, but it looks vicious. Like it looks legit, and that's yeah. I think and why I like still it so very, much. Yeah, and she's still very new. Yeah, yeah. So we got to remember that. Let's talk about how she's growing leaps and bounds, though, dude. Like seriously, she looks really good with a lot of the stuff she's doing in the ring, and I just love how intimidating she looks. She comes out and she looks like she's ready for a UFC fight. Like she's like bouncing and like let's do this. You know what I mean? Uh, it's really, really. I think she did a good job for for her first Monday Night Raw match. Um, any other matches that stood out for you guys on Raw? Um, I mean, the Braun and Jinder one was like, yeah. it was what it was. Um, I can't really think, I'm trying to think what the matches were. Yeah, it was like I forever feel like, ago. I feel like the end of the show wiped out everything that happened. Like yeah. after I witnessed what happened at the, towards, towards the end of the show with the, uh, Paul Heyman interview. Yeah. 
It, yeah. I left that going. I remember Johnny texted me and said, when you watch the Paul Heyman interview, you have to let me know. And I was like, yeah. wow. I was like, what kind of like he, this guy is going to go off. And I'm waiting for him to like like classic Paul. You know what I mean? Like he's going to bring yeah. it. All of a sudden they cut to him and he looks like he's been drinking. He's like unshaven, uh, like five or six days worth of, of beard growth on his face. Yeah. His eyes are red rimmed. And I'm just like. Is he crying or has he just been he on a bender? Yeah, Terry-eyed, too. Yeah, that's exactly what it was, dude. Yeah. All of a sudden, he was this sniveling, like, groveling. You know what it felt like? It felt like the girlfriend who never saw the signs that the boyfriend wasn't interested. So when he broke up with her, it was like the world-shattering event. Yeah. And everything around him is crumbled. He doesn't know how yeah. to eat anymore. He doesn't understand what it means to get up out of bed. Like, and I was like, what is going on? It was so bizarre. Well, the story in a good they're way, telling. Though, in a good way. Yeah. Very good way. Well, the, I mean, that fits the story they're telling yeah. them. And the story they're telling is he thought they were friends, and Brock obviously never, ever felt that way. Which and that would that would be like if Chris told me one day that we weren't actually friends. I was just talent for him, <laughs> and my heart would be shattered because I feel we're friends. Well, so, I mean, you produce good content for my show. Of course, we're friends. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Matt, we're going to have a teary-eyed interview. Now. All right. <laughs> uh, I really, really like the interview a lot. I love that he's so talented that he can just do something. Uh, tonally different from what he usually does and it still works oh, and still yeah. right? the story and, and I was telling Chris before the show the emotion yeah you can yes. feel it you can yeah. feel it and guys don't yes. have that anymore you did a great job that dude. was a yes. classic to the point where, talking yes. point to the point where it was almost uncomfortable at times and also I don't know if you know this Matt but WWE released like a, a yeah Chris. I was telling him about it sent like a clip that they cut out and I don't know why they cut it out. It's only 30 seconds. Yeah. 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 Just leave it in and it really adds to it. So basically Renee Young ends the interview saying what we all saw. He says, you know, who do you think is going to win Brock or Roman? And he says, you know, I've never seen someone the way Brock is right now. So there's, you know, he's dangerous. There's no way that Roman's going to win this kind of thing. And then it fades away and cuts off. That's the end of the show. Yeah. Or the end of the interview. But WWE puts out this exclusive. And what does he say, Johnny? The gist of it is, he goes, he goes, uh, you know, he ends it with, uh, Roman doesn't stand a chance, and then he kind of pauses. Yeah, he leans back. And he leans back, and you see, like, his little twinkle or something, like, he just had a thought, and he goes, unless, and then he just kind of walks unless off. Unless what? Unless what? Rene's going. Yeah, and he wait, won't answer. Wait, Paul, unless yeah. what? Paul. Ooh. Yeah. Now, so now a lot of people. Creative juices yeah, are flowing. <laughs> yeah, so so let's let's discuss this, guys. What do we think the unless what is? So we know that he's l- losing Brock. We also know Paul Heyman has hired on as a writer. Whether or not he's going to still be on air personality, we don't know. But the thought is, is we've all been debating that he's going to pick up another person. Or we talked about this as well. Why not create a stable and have him manage Roman? Have him manage Ronda? Have him manage Samoa Joe and bring back, what was the name of his thing? Uh, The Dangerous Alliance. Remember the Dangerous Alliance? Yes. Oh, bring back the idea behind the Dangerous Alliance. It's not a stable. It's not a faction. It's an alliance of businessmen. Remember that? That whole idea that it was about business. (laughs) Yeah. And let him just start carrying around a super duper large cell phone. (laughs) Bring back the cell phone. We can only hope. Uh, But yeah, so who would you guys want to see him... uh, 
manage if that was the case. He was going to manage. He's going to continue to manage. Uh, you know what? With that extra thirty seconds of, of footage, now I'm thinking, oh man, what if there's a swerve and like is that Roman? Yeah, goes heel maybe. We'd call. We've been calling for a while. Like they need to do that. I think it'll be big. And then to have Paul screw Brock. Yeah. On his way out, and then align with Roman. Oh man. Yes. And then Roman reigns, for, pun intended, for a while as as champion. And then uh, Brock comes back because we know he extended his contract. He's still signed to the WWE. Yeah. So he comes back. Can you imagine the fear on Paul's face when he oh sees that? Oh, my God. When Brock comes back? Uh, that could be possible, dude. I could pro- We could probably see a Roman heel, heel turn at SummerSlam or possibly in the future because he takes on Heyman. Yeah. Uh, and I talked about I think I talked about it with you, Johnny. I don't think I talked about it on the show. I'd kind of like to see him do Ronda Rousey. And do it in t- almost like the Emperor taking over Anakin Skywalker. Right, right. So Rhonda's good. Everyone loves her. She becomes a champion. And he says, look, you need you need someone like me to talk for you and do these things for you. And she takes that on as, okay, you know, Brock was successful. And it could even be where he tries to get her to do things like slimy once in a while. And she's just like, no, that's not how I am. But slowly over time we start seeing her do heelish things you know and it's almost like you see in the background that evil slimy smile of his where he's like uh you know he's like the the, the emperor in star yeah. wars just t- slowly I, bringing her to the dark side you know i could totally see that working too because her relationship with kurt angle is now yeah. weird yeah. you know what i mean some of her closest confidants in the wwe um storyline perspectives have she's kind of like a loose cannon right now yeah. and we've discussed the idea that uh, we could see her go heel by turning on Natalia, like something comes up later on, and and we see because as much as they love each other, like how good would it be to see her turn? And everybody would love it, you know. Oh yeah. Then you get Baszler move up to the main roster, and then the four horsewomen from the UFC can represent, you know, against the four horsewomen of wrestling, and that there you go, two stables right away built in for a, a few years of feuds. Yeah, it can be done, man, and. You have the horse, the, the four horsewomen of wrestling, managed by, you know, their own JJ Dillon, Paul Paul Heyman, right? You right. know what I'm saying? Like, how awesome would that be, dude? <laughs> yeah. So I was I was thinking, like, who could we have in a Paul Heyman stable? Yeah. Ideally, for me, it would need to be wrestlers who need a mouthpiece because that's not their strongest asset, right? Of their character right. talking. And Roman, though, I think he's gotten better. Still he would definitely it. benefit. He would definitely benefit 100 percent from a Paul Heyman. Yep. Uh, Rhonda would definitely benefit from a, you know, because I think she's actually improved uh, on the mic too as well. But still, she's really new at it. So yeah, it's pretty uh, cookie cutter. Some of the stuff she's putting out. Yeah. So she would 100 percent, and I love the scenario you threw out there, Chris, of uh, of her being slowly turned. Yeah, I think that'd be I, great. I would love that a lot. Yeah. So you threw out Samoa Joe. Now the one thing I do like about that idea is that it's that means that his alliances are not just on one brand; it's cross brand. Yes, that's what so I'm saying. Can make, you imagine doing everywhere. that? Yeah, imagine yeah, that's what he does, that. and all of a sudden, you know, you you feel the force of the Dangerous Alliance on both sides. Samoa Joe will come over to yeah. Raw to help out the Dangerous Alliance in a in a in a, in a spot, or vice versa. Which, yeah, you know what I Which mean. I like, like that idea. The only issue that I would have with Samoa Joe is that I love his promos, and we would probably get less of that. 
Right. Well, but, well, but but at the same time, I guess he. I don't uh, think he Paul would necessarily would. need that because you know Paul will be the mouthpiece for the ones that can't, and Joe can speak for himself. The guys that can speak for themselves will. True. You know what, I mean? you know what? Paul and That's CM Punk. Thing. CM Punk did excel together, and we all know how great of a promo guy CM Punk yeah. was. So I, I think it yeah. would be okay. You yeah, know, that's fair. Work. Yeah. yeah, but we'd have to have a fourth member. I feel like you have to even it out. Two on Raw, two on SmackDown. So who else joins that stable? Who else joins the alliance? Hmm. From mm-hmm. from SmackDown, Shinsuke. Ooh, because <laughs> he one. needs a mouthpiece, dude. He's. I mean, the English is rough as it is. So <laughs> to have Paul Paul speak for him. Good. I was still. Uh, hopefully, he still will talk some though, because I love his heel promos. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good one. Like uh, Paul will was... throw it to him at the end. You know what I mean? He'll do his whole thing, tear down, build up the other person, tear him down, and throw it to him, and then he'll say, "No speak English." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna try and uh, say this with a straight face. Our truth. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I feel so bad for our truth, dude. He feels, you know who he feels like to me right now? He feels like the Brooklyn Bomber. <laughs> like he's just kind of there. Do you know what he I mean? He feels like Alicia Fox. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. Like I uh, love our truth too. He's 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 such a great wrestler. Dude, too. he's got a lot of great moves. He's yeah. he's yeah, but God, he feels like he's yeah. just he's just kind of And he seems and his and his humor seems very natural to me. Oh, he's he's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah like I think it would be really fun just to hang out with, honestly. But uh <laughs> Like my first, this is going to sound weird, but what if uh, Rusev starts taking more seriously and he joins the Dangerous Alliance? Ooh, that could be good, dude. Can you imagine a team with Rusev, Samoa Joe, Roman Reigns, and Ronda Rousey representing the women? Yeah, good, that's one heck Lord. of a team right there. Good yeah. Lord, write it up. That's, that's a good gold. Survivor Series team. That's gold right <laughs> there, yeah. dude. Uh, so speaking of Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman is. The subject of our Howard Hardly Kayfabe Wrestlepedia. Johnny, why don't you tell the good folks listening at home, what is the Hardly Kayfabe Wrestlepedia? Well, good folks who are listening at home, uh, the Wrestlepedia is where we take a wrestler or stable or something that has to do with wrestling, and we look up their their Wikipedia, and we just kind of learn about them together. So if you're with us, play along, uh, type into your Google machines, as another famous podcast likes to say. Uh, Paul Heyman, and find his R- Wrestlepedia, or Wikipedia, as they say. And it's called, it, it, if you need to look it up, it's called, My Name is Paul Heyman. No, just kidding. Just Paul, <laughs> Paul Heyman works. Yeah, so just look them up. Uh, obviously, we're not going to read everything on these, because that would take an hour. So we're just going to like pick and choose what we find a little interesting. Yeah, and stuff. yeah, yeah. He's got he's had a very long story life. If you want a really good in-depth documentary, I was just uh, Matt and I were watching a little bit of it before we started recording. Uh, it's called My Name, uh, Ladies and Gentlemen. My name is Paul Heyman, and it's on the WWE Network. Phenomenal. It goes in depth to you know his his mom was a Holocaust survivor. Didn't know that. I was like, wow. His dad was a, a personal a, a personal injury attorney, but he was known as like the most honest personal injury attorney ever. <laughs> but he was a hard guy. Like he knew, you know, how to question to do these things. And a lot of people say Paul got you know that kind of stuff from his dad. That that just that moxie. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's really in depth. It's really cool. Shows you know his his life growing up. How he got into wrestling. How he got into behind the scenes and. It's just like you would imagine, the fact that he could just weasel his way in 
you know? Yes. So uh, yes. Yeah, let's get he's into him. He's always been good. At, he's always been good at talking. Always. All right, Johnny, let's lead us through it. Let's go. All right. Well, of course, we'll do the little overview here because it's just real quick. Yep. Paul Heyman, born September 11th. Oh, 1965 is an American entertainer, producer, writer, performer, marketer, promoter, professional wrestling manager and commentator currently signed to the WWE. He was he was uh, given. I don't know why it says shunned here. Given the label of manager for decades, using the name the advocate for his work with Brock Lesnar and also in the past calling himself agent or CEO of the Dangerous Alliance. Yeah. Uh, so, of course, we all know what he's... This is just a bigger overview of his. Uh, he was probably most, especially for people our age, uh, most well-known for ECW. 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 Yeah. ECW. That's very accurate. <laughs> uh, I remember that I, that's actually my first intro. Not ECW, but earlier earlier days, NWA and WCW. Uh, my introduction to Paul Heyman was the name Paul E. Dangerously. That's how I knew him. Right. Uh, so when I heard Heyman, that uh, and that was much later, I was like, "Oh, really? Like I really thought his yeah. name was dangerous." I don't know why. <laughs> so but e- I did. Yeah. So ECW in itself is a fascinating story that we could probably do a total oh, Wikipedia on heck it. Yeah, on that. we will. It's it's very fascinating. Uh, but uh, he owned and was the creative force behind ECW Extreme Championship Wrestling. Now that went from '93 until 2001. But before that, he was the manager under the ring name Paul. E dangerously. Yep. In WCW and other promotions. And that's that's when he would walk around with this at the time as to what cell phones look like, but they're giant bricks back then. So two things about that. I I watching this documentary, the name Paul E. Dangerously actually came from an eighties movie uh called Johnny Dangerously with um what's his name? Batman, nineteen eighty nine Batman. Keaton? Keaton, Keaton, Michael Keaton, and the yeah. reason he took Paulie dangerously because back then the way his hair was and he looked like and he was thinner, he looked like kind of like Michael Keaton. So he took yeah. on that persona, and then he remember he talks about how he remembered going and seeing the movie Wall Street, and loved the fact that this dude carried this big phone with him everywhere he went, the cellular phone. And as he's watching it, he thought that would look good hitting somebody over the head with, and that became his <laughs> yeah. his little thing. Like like what's his name has the uh, the racket yeah you know what I mean Jim now he's Cornet. the yeah. Cornette's got yeah. the tennis racket Corny. yeah he's got the yeah. the cell phone. <laughs> yeah. uh, Paul Heyman uh, was born September eleventh sixty five in Westchester County New York. Uh, his dad was a prominent personal injury attorney like Chris said and his mom was a Jewish Holocaust survivor. Uh, by age eleven, according to this, he was running a mail order business selling celebrity and sports. <laughs> memorabilia from his home. Yeah, the guy was a hustler from the beginning, not a joke. (laughs) And while he was still a teenager, he fast-talked his way backstage at a Worldwide Wrestling Federation event at Madison Square Garden as a photojournalist. I remember hearing about that. Uh, He was paid by the company for several of his photographs, so he wasn't even supposed to be there. Right. Weasels his way in there, takes pictures, and then gets paid for it. (laughs) Yeah, the story goes that he calls... He actually called the, uh, the... the arena and said, you know, I'm with this, this, this publication. I haven't gotten my press pass yet and I need to get down there. And they're like, Oh no, 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 no. We're so sorry. Yeah. Just show up at this door and you'll, you'll. Oh and they God. did, they let him in and he <laughs> puts his hat down real low over his eyes. He says he goes into where the photographers are sitting in this room and he just waits and he just sits there and waits, just hoping no one would notice him. And then when people started coming back for their photos and things, he just got up and started doing it. And it became this thing where like, 
there's Paul Heyman. He's such a pain in the ass coming around with his camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he graduated Edgemont High School. He attended Sunny Purchase and worked on air as an opinionated, controversial host at the radio station. Uh, and also did a radio station for the Westchester Community College. In 1985, at the age of 19, he became a photographer, then producer, and a promoter for New York City nightclub, Studio 54. Oh, wow. So that one, again, that has a funny story behind it, too. So Studio 54, we know, is legendary disco uh, in New York City. All the celebrities went there. Uh, one night, he calls, saying because he was friends with the people that worked there, uh, he said, listen, I've got, and I forget who he says, like Ric Flair and a few other people that he said were these famous wrestlers at the time. Huge, because wrestling was monstrous at the time. You know, they're going to be coming in. Why don't we have them come there so we could take pictures and do that? And they were like, yeah, yeah, have them come. So he goes there. And he's getting, he's taking pictures with the wrestlers. And now Studio 54 had a, a house photographer. That's how it got so famous. His photos went out to the world. People saw all the debauchery that happened. Well, apparently that night he got wasted and was throwing bottles of vodka at the bartender. Oh. So they kicked him out. And as they're kicking him out, Paul Heyman's looking at one of the club owners going, wait, he's so-and-so. Like, he's a celebrity photographer. He's like, yeah, well, he's out of here. He goes, well, then you don't have a photographer. And the guy's like, yeah, I know. And he goes, well, you do now. And he's like, oh, you want the job? You can do it. He's like, yeah, I've been doing it forever. <laughs> like, he's been doing it forever. So then he became the photographer. And then like a year later, they needed a promoter because their promoter quit and went to another uh, like rival club. Oh he's God. like, I've been doing it for years. I could promote for you. <laughs> he is amazing. Dude, he's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's how he gets into Studio 54. <laughs> I've had this, this theory that like if you can, uh, even if you're being fake with something, if you do it with confidence, people will believe you. Yeah. And I think he kind of does that in a way. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you know, he wasn't supposed to be there, but he acted with confidence, and people are like, "Oh yeah, he's supposed to be here mm -hmm. for sure." So let's get. In, so I want to get to how he got started. Yeah. Uh, he decided he wanted to work in pro wrestling when he saw Vince McMahon interview superstar Billy Graham. Yes. Yes. You know uh, he's the, Billy Graham. Did you know that Billy Graham's the the uh, inspiration from that for that character on the Venture Brothers? Yes, looks just like him. He's an in inspiration everything, for a bunch of different wrestlers too, yeah. by the way, like Hulk Hogan and such. Oh yeah, that's right. But he began as a photographer when he was thirteen and bought his own photo lab and brought his own photo lab to take photos of pro wrestlers in New York. He published his own newsletter, the Wrestling Times Magazine, and wrote for third-party wrestling publications such as Pro Wrestling Illustrated. This is all before he was 14. <laughs> Think about when of... I was 14. And... Yeah. My gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The difference yeah. in, in motivation. <laughs> We're playing video games, and he's out there on the streets of yeah. New York My City. My balls just dropped, and this dude's got a business. And... <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, man, it's crazy. At 14, he called Capital Wrestling Corporation, yep. the parent company, to the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. Here it is. And that's where he obtained a backstage pass for Madison Square Garden, his first official work in pro wrestling. He met Dusty Rhodes at a Jim Crockett Promotions taping when he entered a production meeting. I'm going to assume he wasn't supposed to be in that production. Oh, my God, dude. Let me tell you, if you see this documentary, he tells the story the best. He really does. And he does an amazing, amazing impression of Dusty Rhodes. Amazing. But, yeah, he sneaks into the room and it sits in the very back. And he's literally listening to them come up with ideas for, for their next few shows. And Dusty stops and looks up and notices him, gets up, walks over to him and says, like, he nods his head, says, get over here. They walk out in the hall. He's like, what are you doing here? And he's like. Oh, you know, I'm here. I'm watching. He goes, and he goes, no, what are you doing in that room? That's a closed room. You don't belong in there. He goes, oh, well, I'm learning from you. 
Dusty kind of looked at him for a moment, let it set in. Then he goes, all right, kid, get back in there and take notes. And then he goes right back to it. <laughs> wow. And then he said that every week he kept showing up in that production room, but he kept moving closer and closer to the front of the room until he was basically sitting next to Dusty. <laughs> and that is, so, yeah, he learned a lot of pacing stories and producing and creating these stories from Dusty Rhodes. It's great. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Good guy to learn from. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. In 85, Heyman was hired by New York Studio 54 as photographer. <laughs> the same year became producer of Studio 54 and hosted the first Russell Party 85 show. Yeah. He called Jim Crockett, who sent Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, and Magnum TA to the show. Uh, the show featured Bam Bam Bigelow's debut yeah. and an award to Flair. And it was at the urging of Bigelow, who's another one we need to do a WrestlePedia on. Oh, yeah. Uh, Heyman made his managerial debut on January 2nd, 1987, initially appearing on the Northeast Independent Circuit before moving to a more high-profile stint with Championship Wrestling from Florida in February of 87. <clears throat> yep. And then it gets on to his how he got his name. Oh, there it is, yeah. Yep, exactly as Chris had said it, <laughs> from Michael Keaton's character in jo uh, uh, as Johnny Dangerously. Uh, Bigelow brought him to Memphis and the Continental Wrestling Association, CWA, to manage Tommy Rich and Austin Idol. So at this point, even though he's very young, he's already been, they're seeing his talent as a manager type character. Uh, he had a, uh, those, those characters had heated feuds with Jerry Lawler, which Lawler was, I don't think people realize in the Memphis area, the Memphis, oh. uh, how huge Lawler was. He was humongous. Dude, the name King is for real in Memphis for, for yes. Lawler. That's not a joke. And there, uh, the thing with when uh, Paul Heyman came to, to, to Memphis, he didn't like – Lawler didn't like him in real life either. Like he thought he was exactly how he was, this brash, like this <laughs> arrogant guy. And yeah. He did not like him. It helped the, the heat and the feud and the storyline, but he really didn't like him at that time at all. Yeah, Uh and I mean, honestly, like I think when we think of, when I think of Lawler in Memphis, I obviously think of the big uh, thing with um, who was the comedian Kaufman, Andy oh, Kaufman. Yes, That's so good. Yes, which is one of the greatest feuds in pro wrestling. <laughs> really is. Uh, but I mean, I don't. I mean, seriously, if if you get a chance and you're just a giant wrestling nerd like I am and love the history of it, just look look into Lawler's history with Memphis wrestling. It's pretty incredible. Yep. Uh, so Polly Dangerously's gimmick was an extension of Heyman's own personality, a brash New York New Yorker with a yuppie attitude, often seen holding a mobile phone. Uh, and I'm talking a humongous brick, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen, which was occasionally used as a foreign object. Yep. According to Heyman, he decided to use the mobile phone as a weapon when he watched Gordon Gecko in Wall there you Street. Go. After departing the AWA, Heyman went to the Alabama-based Continental Wrestling Federation where he joined Eddie Gilbert's Hot Stuff, Inc. stable. Uh, Gilbert was the head booker and promotions of there, and Heyman became his assistant. So this is where he's starting to get into the behind-the-scenes type stuff. Booking and writing. Uh, Heyman, yep. So Heyman was also the head booker for Windy City Wrestling in Chicago and started developing a reputation as being an innovative television writer and producer. Chris, do you want to read the next part? Yeah, sure. So he goes from uh, from there in 1988. He heads over to Jim Crockett Promotions. NWA becomes WCW uh, and er, manages original Midnight Express, who has a feud with the new Midnight Express. Uh, their man and their manager Jim Cornette, and that was a big a big feud between the two, Cornette and Dangerously for a while there. Uh, settled into his role of an announcer, joining Jim Ross. Could you Ross. imagine real quick? Oh yeah. Could you imagine those promos between those two? <laughs> Good lord. 
<laughs> that would have been like back and forth. That would have been awesome. Uh, so he yeah. ends up settling into a role of an announcer, joining Jim Ross to call matches uh, for WCW on TBS uh, and other pr- programming. And this was something that I learned in the documentary as well. He credits everything he ever learned about announcing to Jim Ross. He said, you know, I, I, I got all of this education from all these wrestlers about how they do it. But to be able to describe and 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 understand what they're doing and seeing it, he said, uh, you know, Jim Ross gave him all of this 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 knowledge that he just to him it's like it's an invaluable. He'll he'll never be able to pay Jim Ross back. And Jim Ross talks talks about how like he enjoyed having Heyman, but he also couldn't stand him. It was one of these things where like he went too far sometimes, but he knew this guy was hungry, and he also was very good at what he did. Uh, and that's the good thing. I uh, one thing I like about Jim Ross, he might not like you, but he will tell you that you are a great, you do great at what you do. You know what I mean? Like Jim Ross is one of those dudes. Yeah, I think he he's really good at not letting his personal feelings about somebody affect uh, if he knows that they're actually really good at something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so while in between stints in WCW, Heyman went, went to work for ICW as a writer, but was fired on his first day in the middle of his first TV taping. Um, and if and it doesn't say why here, but it's it's probably because he just he, he's very headstrong when he has ideas. If if you're if you think that that doesn't go well and you want to do something different, he'll fight you for it. Doesn't yeah, matter. Wasn't it why he was like originally fired from WWE? <laughs> yeah, he was suspended he, for a while. Yeah, w- yeah. When he was a writer, yeah, he yeah. Butt heads with Stephanie and such. Exactly. Yep. Uh, so in '91, WCW needed to restructure its heels, so Heyman returned to the role as a spokesman and ringside manager uh, as the manager as the manager of the Dangerous Alliance, the new version of the Four Horsemen, with Rick Rude as the centerpiece. According to Heyman, he and Stone Cold Steve Austin learned their craft from Rude. Heyman led Rude to the United States title and Anderson Eaton tag team uh, to the tag team titles. Dangerous Alliance dominated the WCW through most of 1992. Uh, after departing WCW, Heyman attempted to start a new promotion in Texas with Jim Crockett Jr. A disagreement arose, however, as Crockett wanted to build a traditional wrestling brand while Heyman believed traditional wrestling was antiquated and a new take on the genre was needed. Uh, so we know what happens from there. He ends up taking, uh, joining with the N- uh, NWA's Eastern Championship Wrestling, which he would later go on to rename Extreme Championship Wrestling. Uh, he came in to help Gilbert teach the younger wrestlers how to perform originally, but Gilbert's erratic behavior became too much for Gordon, who owned the, uh, who owned it. And uh, a major falling out with Gilbert right before the Ultra Clash event on September 18th, 1993. From that point forward, Heyman was in charge of creative direction. And everyone says that's when it went straight up. Because when he had creative direction, he develops people like Sabu, uh, 9-11, uh, creates some new characters, and ECW just flourishes. A year later, the company was the flagship promotion of the struggling NWA. The tournament was scheduled to be held in August of 94 for NWA Heavyweight Championship at an ECW-hosted event mostly featuring ECW wrestlers. Uh, The proposed outcome was the current ECW champion, Shane Douglas, becoming champion, but Heyman conspired with Douglas and Gordon without the knowledge of the NWA president, uh, Dennis Coraluzzo, to have Douglas, and by extension ECW itself, publicly denounce the NWA and its tradition after winning the tournament. In his post-match speech, Douglas aggressively assaulted the title's lineage, throwing the belt itself down, proclaiming the NWA a dead organization and declaring his ECW title a world-level championship. The plan for this shoot screw job was known only to those three. I didn't I didn't know that. That's insane. 
Yes. Oh yeah. It's a pretty big. It was moment. legit. Yeah. It was legit, and it, that was one of the highlights of uh, so, uh, pretty much any. ECW I thought it was all straight commentary. out, like 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 part of the the, the, the whole oh, thing, yeah. but only these three, huh? They had their own screw job. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We're gonna do an episode <laughs> on screw jobs. Uh, that same week, Heyman and Todd Gordon rechristened the promotion, eliminating the origin regional branding Eastern and declaring it. Extreme Championship Wrestling. They broke the company away from NWA and it became its own entity. Heyman encouraged wrestlers to express their true feelings about the WWF, the NWA, and WCW. Heyman would end up buying Gordon out and become sole owner of the ECW. His time there, uh, he found an ally in Vince McMahon's WWF. McMahon had sent some WWF wrestlers to ECW under WWF payroll to develop them and was interested in some of ECW's wrestlers as well, such as Terry Gordy and Two Cold Scorpio. McMahon paid Heyman 1000 a week to use Scorpio. Do you know why? So, he, so uh, yeah, go ahead and say, say yes part real quick. So the reason behind that is because uh, they be, they got a deal with Tommy Boy Records at the time, and there was music that they produced for Two Cold Scorpio. So they would play Tommy Boy music, Two Cold would come out, then it would go to a commercial, which was a Tommy Boy Records commercial. And Tommy Boy paid them a thousand dollars a week to do this, and so if McMahon wanted to take Two Cold Scorpio, he was going to have to pay that. He's going to pay a thousand dollars a week to rent him, basically wow. rent him. Yes, uh, this is something that I, I don't know if a lot of people know. Uh, the WWF was highly involved with ECW oh, yeah. for a long time. They paid a lot of money to them yeah. through the years, quite a bit. Yeah, and a lot of it you don't know about because it wasn't made public. <laughs> exactly. Uh, in the final yeah. days of ECW, though, it was it was well known that Heyman was kind of becoming too big for what he was. Like there was times where he just wouldn't show up to to, to meetings. Uh, he was late to backstage things. After a while, uh, ECW wrestler Tommy Dreamer ends up taking over creative, and 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 uh, they let they let Heyman go. Uh, ECW entered into bankruptcy in 2001, just weeks after WCW was sold to WWF. Uh, with the company seven million dollars in arrears, with over three million owed to the company by in-demand pay-per-views. One of the things we saw in this documentary, Matt and I were just watching, uh, was that when he when he got when they sold off or or when they declared bankruptcy, EC when Heyman declares bankruptcy. Apparently, there's supposed to be this like 90 day window that if if you declare bankruptcy, any checks that you have written within those 90 days before you declare bankruptcy can be taken by the bank. So that means all the paychecks that he paid all of his wrestlers, they would have had to owe the bank that money. Heyman waited until the 90 days passed before he declared bankruptcy. He wanted to make sure all of his wrestlers were taken care of. So that kind of like you, you always see him as a brash dude, as this guy that's an asshole. But then you hear a story like that, and you're just like, wow. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's also important to know, and please know that I'm a Heyman fan, but there are plenty <laughs> of ECW wrestlers who also uh, wouldn't always receive paychecks. Oh, that's definitely true. There yeah. was checks that didn't yeah. bounce, or they just didn't get them in time. Who was, uh, was it C.W. Anderson was one of the more recent ones to kind of shoot on Paul Heyman and his methods of paying him <laughs> and whatnot, yeah. but... It was, it was yeah. C.W. Anderson, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not Tommy Dreamer, or Sabu, or Taz, or <laughs> C.W. Anderson. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So then ECW just kind of uh, just kind of goes to the wayside. You want to you want to run into the WWF there, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So 2001-2003, uh, Heyman becomes broadcaster for the WWF, replacing Jerry Lawler. During that time, he resumed his storyline rivalry, rivalry with Jim Ross. In July, while retaining his commentator role, 
Heyman recreated ECW as a stable, which then immediately merged with Shane McMahon's WCW to form the alliance during the invasion angle. Heyman was, quote-unquote, fired following the 2001 Survivor Series. Heyman was the lead writer for SmackDown from July 2002 to February 2003. Uh, I mean, side note, that that was my favorite time to watch SmackDown. It, that, the roster, their, their SmackDown 6, I think was what they called them. Just oh, just such good talent and good storylines, too, yeah. to really develop them all. Um, while he was in WWE, Taz spoke to him about Brock Lesnar, a WWE developmental wrestler. Heyman began by mentoring Lesnar, and McMahon decided to make Heyman Lesnar's manager. Excuse me. Heyman helped Lesnar capture the undisputed WWE Championship 126 days after Lesnar's main roster debut, when Brock beat The Rock at SummerSlam. <laughs> Say that three times fast. <laughs> Brock beat The Rock. Brock beat The Rock. <laughs> To also become, he was the youngest undisputed champion at that time. Um, on March twenty second, two thousand four, he appeared on Raw to take part in the annual annual WWE Draft Lottery. <clears throat> During the show, he was drafted to Raw to work for General Manager Eric Bischoff. Instead, he decided to quit rather than work for Bischoff, <laughs> the man he cited for the death of ECW by rating its talent. Uh, moving on, appeared and took over Ohio Valley Wrestling. Um, took over as the head booker and writer in OVW, a developmental territory maintained by WWE. It was during this time that he forged a real-life friendship with CM Punk. And then, let's see, moving on. Uh, on May 23rd, 2005, Heyman returned in a segment with McMahon and Eric Bischoff announcing ECW One Night Stand with Heyman in charge. Ooh, good times. Uh, on the May 22nd episode of Raw, Heyman appeared as ECW representative promoting One Night Stand. On May 25th, 2006, it was announced that ECW would relaunch as a third WWE brand. Heyman was in charge of the new brand on camera, but had minimal creative input off camera as well. Yeah, I wanted to say, uh, you know, when it comes to ECW, especially the, the purest of ECW, those who really love it, I think the WWE brand of it gets a lot of uh, <laughs> flack, and I understand it because it's not the same. Oh, not even close. <laughs> but I will say, for its credit, a lot of the wrestlers that we would grow to love uh, really, really got their footing in that in that ECW. From CM Punk to The Miz uh, to John Morrison, a lot of they had a lot of really good talent there. They did, you know. I, and uh, I, I liked, you know, Christian had a great run on ECW towards the end. Yeah. Uh, Matt Hardy yep. hit, was uh, champ at one time. Um, I actually did like the wrestling better on that show than I than I did SmackDown at the time. I thought SmackDown was in a little bit of a lull um, right. in that time period. But uh, finishing up here, after allegedly turning down an offer from, from Stephanie McMahon to return to his post writing TV for WWE developmental television shows, Heyman quietly parted ways with WWE in late 2006. The argument with Vince McMahon was over a disagreement over the Elimination Chamber match at December to December. Heyman thought that the Big Show should be eliminated in the Elimination Chamber match by CM Punk via submission in order to push the rising star. Big Show agreed with this idea, wanting to help push Punk's career, but Vince McMahon disagreed, and Punk was ultimately eliminated first. Right. Yeah, so that's that's another thing that you will hear from a lot of uh, Paul Heyman guys, I guess the best way to put it, <clears throat> is uh, despite that you know, he's kind of slimy, I guess the best way to put it. Uh, if if he likes you, 
he he can be very loyal at times, yeah. and he will really pu- he'll really push you to the point of it going you know, being detrimental to his own his own career. Yeah, he take he takes care of guys. One of the things in that that documentary was saying was he likes to build and develop talent. It's one of his favorite things. Yeah. One of his favorite things, and he's so good at it if you really think about it. And yeah. um, yeah, he takes care of his guys. He knows he knows how to portray them, and he's always done a good job yeah. at that. So the red, this yeah. is a pretty in-depth uh, <laughs> Wikipedia. So like, if you look at the rest of this, where he returns to WWE, it almost breaks down every single little piece of Monday Night Raw that he shows up on and yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah. But I think we could just sum up the, the the last part of this this WrestlePedia in terms of like Brock Lesnar returns in 2012, uh, and Heyman showed up as a as a legal advisor at first, uh, but I guess uh, and he didn't want to come back to the E because there was bad blood still with a lot of the staff, and and Brock wanted him to come back because I guess it was a horrible promo with with John Laurinaitis. Uh, I don't remember this. I, I'd have to pull it up to look at it again. Yeah, um, Lord Nidus. But uh, <laughs> but uh, but Heyman ends up coming back. <laughs> I want to talk real quick. Yeah. Lord Nidus. Uh, he's one of the guys when he would come out and he would, when especially when he's having that feud with Punk. Like anytime he would talk, I'd have to clear my throat, <laughs> or I'd be like, "Man, why just just talk like a person? <laughs> he talks like this." <laughs> This is how he talks. <laughs> but then, but then I saw him on um, what was that show? Was it Total Divas? He was on. He's on one of those shows because he's like either married or was dating uh, the Bella Bella Twins' mom. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And like, and that's how he talks. That's his normal voice. Is that? <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, so, yeah, to go on, uh, Heyman basically f- for the rest of his time now has attached himself to Brock Lesnar. And he was with CM Punk for a while. They were doing things with him. Uh, but mostly it's been Heyman and Brock Lesnar. And as we know, it's just been almost like a, a dominating force, something that just can't be stopped. Like these, He's amazing on mic. We've always said he can cut a promo. He can produce. He can write. He, the guy knows what he's doing. He, there's reasons that he talked himself into these arenas and backstage places at the age of 13 because the guy can can do it. He can talk. He knows what's and he can convince you. Yeah. He can convince you that he knows what he's talking about and that he's right all the time. Um, but yeah, so we see we see just you know what what looked like could be. You know, he went away, tried to do this thing. It folded. It, no matter what, he keeps coming back, and he keeps coming back. And the dude knows how to hustle so much so that, like, he has his own uh, media agency called yep. Looking for Larry Agency. Uh, it's it's insane, dude. The guy, the guy is a beast. First of all, like it's t- to do some of the things he's done. Like you said, dude. At thirteen, we're playing video games, man. Yeah, we're watching like cartoons and tv and this guy is like got his own business where he's sending out memorabilia from his house and people are paying him for it yeah like you serious right now that's that new york city style hustle i guess Uh, yeah (laughs) it's it's straight up dude but he's uh so it, it leads us all the way up to this point where uh there's fate you know he's fallen out of favor with brock lesnar now he shows up with renee young basically driveling you know, uh, and then we get that if you if you saw the exclusive, that last thirty seconds, that twinkle in his eye, unless, and it's it's like okay, this is Paul Heyman, man. This is gonna be a good story, and I think SummerSlam is gonna be 
Real, I'm looking for. I don't think I've been looking forward to that match until now. I got to be honest with you. I wasn't really. I was kind of like, eh, whatever. Who cares? You yeah, know, it's a whole other element to it. All he had to say yeah, was unless, same. and then you're just like, oh my god, we got to see that match now. Yeah, because it's about yes. Paul. It's not about Brock or, or or Roman. It's about Paul. Uh, dude, I, I feel like he's probably gonna go down as one of the greatest of all times to to be a part of wrestling and you know sports entertainment. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I I would actually like to see him, Cornette and Bischoff in a roundtable discussion about that. I know they all hate each other. Um, and then shoot three. table for three. Yeah, yep. they all they all hate each other, yeah. and I think it would be make for a very interesting conversation. <laughs> I don't know if you can get them all in the same room. <laughs> It'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so there you go, guys. There you go, wrestling fans. That was Harley K. Fabe's Wrestlepedia on Paul Heyman, uh, uh, an in-depth kind of look at his career and where he's been. He's been all over the different promotions. Uh, he's aligned himself with many, many talented people in the agency, and he's learned a lot of things from different angles of the agency as well. Uh, Paul Heyman, dude. <laughs> yeah. What a career. Huh? What a career. And it's still going. It's still going. Like I said, it's oh, going to yeah. be awesome to see what happens this Monday night and then next Sunday. It'll be fun. Um, so here we are. We're at the end of our show. A lot of times we end our show with tweets of the week or or uh, indie wrestlers that you want to focus on. Do you guys have any tweets or anything you want to, to bring up for uh, listeners? I got a Twitters. I have a Twitter. What you got? I'm at Velveteen uh, WWE, <laughs> so the Velveteen Dream. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna read this tweet, and I want you and I want you guys' opinion on the question I'm gonna ask after. Here's his tweet verbatim: One hour, two hours, or three hours. It doesn't matter. Nobody has fun watching boring, uncharismatic, out of shape, quote unquote, athletes who appear to be uninspired on a weekly basis. And this is all in capital letters. Do better, stunt boys. <gasps> so, Whoa. so who do you guys who do you think wow. who do you think he's aiming this at? Wow. Oh man. Shots fired. I don't know. <laughs> that's a Well, who's got the iron what is it, the one hour match or whatever, the Iron Man match? Isn't there somebody that's got a match coming up? Oh man. I don't know. Well, the part that throws me off is he's, he calls them boring, out of shape. Yeah, that's a bold claim. Like, who, yeah, who's out of shape? <laughs> oh, is he talking about somebody in the indies? Maybe is it who's trying to come up? Could be. See, I don't know. Keith, so this is so Keith weird Lee. to me. Oh, I hope not. Not Keith Lee. You better not be talking about Keith Lee like that. Uh oh. I would like to see that match though. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to lie. Keith, That'd be a I fun think match. Keith Lee would beat the piss out of him, but <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> I'm a giant Keith Lee fan, so I'd be pulling for Keith, even though I like Dream a lot. Yeah, but I'd be pulling for Lee quite a bit. Wow, on that that's uh, that's interesting. Usually, unless your name is uh, Leo Rush, you don't take shots like that at fellow superstars. You know what I mean? Yes. And it doesn't get go very far. <laughs> but uh, wow, that's wow. Yep, yep. Yeah, shots fired. Shots the fired. Dream. Uh, did you have anything, Matt? Anything? Uh, I just wanted to add and congratulate Ring of Honor New Japan. Oh on yeah, selling out MSG uh, for the G1 yes. Supercard in 19 minutes. I don't think WWE can even do that, dude. The, the, I'm telling you, man, it's it's looking like there's legit competition. If they're yeah. smart, New Japan and ROH continue to partner and create maybe a, a super brand. You know what yeah. I mean? And if they're smart, smart, they'll get a real TV deal. Yeah. And where they're not showing their TV, like I, I love ring of honor. I'd love to keep watching it, but it's on it. Like after midnight, one day a week for an hour. Yeah. Yeah. I and agree. I always forget what channel it's on. They should. I think you what gotta, they should do is 
like this is WrestleMania weekend, right? It's the same night. It's the Saturday. It's the day yeah. before, I think. Keep fo- follow WWE to these big these big pay per views because this is a legit competition. I, I think there's a it's partial sour grapes. Oh yeah, you know, um, for what they've done to Cody and, and stuff like that. This is all just a nice revenge tour. Follow them and those big those the big four: Royal Rumble, yep, WrestleMania, Survivor Series, SummerSlam, and book a town not too far away from them, and. Let's let's get this competition going. Do it old school and get get the arena across the street, <laughs> and then get on a tank yeah. and, uh, and and attack the other See, promotions. Yes, that's yeah. exactly what I'm talking. And about. it's the Bullet yeah. Club that'll be coming for them. Um, well, they kind of did that once. Bullet Club kind of showed up at a WWE. Oh, thing, did they really? And they got that. And they got that one guy fired because he went out and took oh, Jimmy Jacobs. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah, about that. That's crazy. <laughs> so, uh, so there you go. There's Harley Kayfabe for the week. Before we go, I just want to shoot a, a congratulations out. We have ran a contest on the Harley Kayfabe group page over the past month, and the drawing winner for it was uh, it was it, we were going to give away a Funko Pop two pack of the Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, and Erwin R. Scheister, IRS. And the winner of that was Capo, uh, Bobby Capo Bianco. So I just wanted to send out a congratulations to him. Thanks for playing. And if you're not following the Hardly Kayfabe group page, it's a closed page. You'll have to be accepted once you request it. Uh, but go to Facebook, find it, and request to be a part of the conversation. There's all kinds of fun conversations going on in there. Uh, we post pictures. We do giveaways. We have uh, trivia things. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of people who love wrestling and love just talking about it. Uh, in a, a a positive atmosphere, there's not much, you know. No one's saying that you suck because you like so and so, or uh, you know your opinion is garbage. Uh, so if you're interested, come join the group, Harley Kayfabe on Facebook. Uh, anything else you guys want to throw out there before we head out? No, I think we're good. So I'm tapping out. Well, that's another week of Harley Kayfabe. Thanks so much for joining us, Johnny Townsend and Matt Johnson. This is Chris Chavez. We'll see you next week. Count us out: one, two, three. <laughs>